Wake up in the morning after the weekend to get an update on the NRL. Illegal counsel. Wake up in the morning after the weekend to get an update on the NRL. My legal counsel. Hits of the weekend scandals on Monday. A story from Jack about a urinal. My legal counsel. Welcome back to Legal Counsel, coming at you live from a sunny autumn day in Sydney, Portier, circa 20 degrees, I think, looking like it's going to be a good afternoon of footy. Coming at you live, always, Jack from Melbourne, Victoria, former international for Hong Kong. How many tests did you play? One. Just the one? Yeah. And that's the infamous one, the national anthem, and you coming out of the line um, with a well, really, boys really... were down by 16 points. We, I needed, it was straight after halftime. Needed to lift the boys. Look, I gave a penalty away. By the letter of the law, it's illegal, but in, it was in the spirit of rugby league, in my opinion, and it actually um, spurred a rousing comeback. So, Did you, you actually know, beat Japan that day? No, we lost, but we were down by 20 or whatever we were down by, and we got within two. Shit. So your shoulder charge, and did he go off? He was pretty hurt after that charge from you, wasn't he? No, just winded, just winded, carrying on. What year did they actually ban shoulder charge? It was, it was the death, wasn't it, in the Queensland Cup that Francis Molo killed that guy? Yeah, called, I uh, can't remember his name. It wasn't John Muir. No, no, some other guy, yeah, but... Yeah, sad save affairs. I mean, Molo obviously hit the head, which should be illegal. Um, yeah. But it is 20 degrees here today as well, I think. Um, I saw on the news that uh, they're expecting a 20-degree day every week this week in Malcolm. So, Jesus. Um, we're actually down there this week, so I uh, look forward to it not being Arctic cold, which is usually the case down there this time of year. Um, big week. August. Big, big week this week for major rugby league and non-rugby league storylines. Started off with Bob Hawke passing away, who don't think he was... Actually, no, this, 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 he, I think he had a soft spot for rugby league. Um, he was brought up... No, he did, certainly. He was a New South Welshman, Labour, um, always actually. the workers. He was, he was very league, and in fact, he... He was a Raiders fan. Mm. He he had a soft spot for the Raiders just being based in Canberra but and it being in power when they came to the comp, you know. Exactly. So eighty two when they came to the comp, he probably saw them right the way through to a couple and I've seen some pretty infamous um photos of him in the chain sheds um after a Raiders victorious in a grand final. Um so it started off with Bob Hawke and then yesterday was a big day of news. Quentin Pongia, former Canberra Raider and New Zealand international, also played for the Roosters Wigan in two games for the Dragons, actually. Um, yeah. Passed away, very sadly. Um, some brilliant also, tributes West come out Coast, mm. Also, the West Coast Rugby League came out of West Coast, which, you know, it doesn't happen that much anymore because there's just not the population there. But those international listeners, West Coast of the South Island of New Zealand is a, 
a rugby league stronghold, a very small population. A, I'd describe it as desolate. It's desolate. It, it has a an economy based around the three primary industries of mining, coal, forestry, and fishing. Um, but it was a conveyor belt of uh, Kiwis for for a long a long time in the twentieth century, um, and unfortunately, unfor- sorry, the kids are on the door. <laughs> Hey, I'm recording a podcast, Trevor. Knock off. Um, and, yeah, so Quinton Ponga was West Coast, and he went to Canterbury, and then he played for the Rick and Knights, which was a club I played for as well. So, yeah, sorry about that. All the listeners, my, my two-year-old sitting on the door smacking it with something. Yeah, unacceptable. Um, do you have a neon light that goes outside that says on-air recording? <laughs> no, do yeah, you? I just got one from eBay. Just if everyone right. in the house knows not to walk into the room um, right. when I'm recording. Um, back to Quinton Ponga, you would, you couldn't ask for a better, um, better era to come into Raiders. They sort of, obviously, they won nineteen ninety one. They had a horrible year in ninety two where they didn't make the eight. I think they finished about thirteenth or fourteenth. Pardon? They didn't win. Ah, sorry, 80, 80, 89, 90. Grand final losers in ninety one. Ninety two was a horrible year where they still had their star started side, but. Um, they actually had quite a few salary caps circulating around the club at that time, um, and there was there was lots of chat that they were going to get booted out of the comp. Um, and knowing who they had on their books, you know the internationals that they had on their books, it's pretty um, pretty easy to see why people were throwing the book at them potentially. Anyway, they got out of that. '93 was a big uh, revenge year for them, and they came out and basically destroyed the competition until the second last break league based second to last game of the year. I think they beat Para by 60 points. And Stewart had a terrible injury. He went down, and he was really the talisman of the um, of the Raiders. And basically, they ended up playing the Broncos in the semis. I think they were, may have been minor premiers, or they may have actually been second in the end. Um, and they couldn't get past the, the might of the Broncos, despite a gallant Noah Nodruku three tries in the second half. But that was the first year of Quentin Pongia, so he went into a juggernaut. And then 94 was all about sending Mel off, a winner. It was all about Mel 94, his last year. And they just had one of the most stacked teams I have ever seen. Um, staunch Raiders fan at the time I was, so I took real uh, a close note of that year, 94. Um, they actually did incredibly well to get out of the semifinals. Um, an extra time win against the Dogs, where David uh, Wesley, the Papua New Guinea international, came off and scored a try um, in extra time. And they ended up playing again in the grand final, 94, where, you know, no one could forget the infamous offload from um, Paul Osborne early in the game, sending Nagus down that left-hand side, and then the Meninga intercept or uh, break where he just pushed off McCracken, scored on the left-hand side of the SFS, and um, celebrated wonderful win. Pongia was a big part of that back then, and also New Zealand made his debut the year before he went to the Raiders, actually from Canterbury. So he was, Ricky Stewart did an amazing um, tribute to him yesterday, um, and we've been quite outspoken about Ricky in the past, but he called him the toughest player he's ever played with. And swinging arms were pretty part and parcel of rugby league back then in the early to mid-90s, and there were no more better uh, proponents or exponents of the swinging arm than Pongia and John Lomax. John Lomax actually got banned for the 94 grand final, which is why Paul Osborne played. 
But Pongiat was a hard motherfucker. That's how I remember him. He was just hard. And most of the tributes that have come through from your Hindmarshes and, and those guys like Greg Alexander that played against him yesterday on Fox Sports pretty echoed the same. What's your sort of lasting memory of Pongiat? So my lasting memories of him were a guy that, um, yeah, definitely tough. And he came through, you know, our, our neck of the woods. So that before he made the Raiders team in 93, he actually um, was playing for Canterbury. Uh, when Aussies, I mean, I'm in the Canterbury in New Zealand, where um, Frank Endicott actually coached that team that mm. bit star-studded Auckland sides. Um where the Auckland sides, Auckland's always been a juggernaut of New Zealand Rugby League due to, I guess, uh, a higher proportion of Polynesian immigration and a larger population base. But Frank Endicott took a team that bit an Auckland side. And I can remember, I think it was the National Championships of 92, uh, where he, they had the Auckland side, which, I mean, it wasn't professional back then in New Zealand, but most of the, a lot of players played overseas, a lot, probably a hell of a lot more in England at that stage. Mm. Definitely. All their pros back from England, Auckland, including like Dwayne Mann and Tara Nika, and Quinton Pongia and Frank Endicott were able to beat uh, um, that Auckland time, uh, team at that England showgrounds. So you've obviously covered a few things about Quinton Pongia there. Um, the, so what sticks, sticks out of my mind? Um, one would be 1995, where he basically... So apparently the Raiders, 95 was basically their... They were a very good side then as well. Uh, we remember that uh, because of the wa- our Warriors coming into the comp. Mm. Um, he played 12, 12 games. He had a few injury clouds. But every t- all the 12 games he played that year, the Raiders won. And he was injured for the semi-final loss against the Dogs. And they lost. It was basically, he was that important to the team. And then my last memory of him was probably 98. Uh the Kiwis beat Australia at um, at North Harbour Stadium, mm-hmm. and I believe it was Ruben Ruben yeah, maybe ninety seven. Sorry, Ruben Wiki came out and said Lomax got injured, broke his arm in the first five minutes, which meant Pongi had to play eighty minutes. And and Pongi, uh, sorry, um, Ruben Wiki was giving a lot of uh, um, kudos to him on social media yesterday, and, and that was one game he really remembered going against the best rugby league team in the world, playing 80 minutes mm. and getting a win. Um, and so I hope the the, the Pongia's um, family are going okay. I know a few of them, uh, Brendan and uh, I think his sister Megan, or it might be his, uh, his cousin. Yeah, so his they're doing. What's mm. that? It's his sister, I believe. I yeah, yeah, Megan. So. They were, they've all always been involved in rugby league, and Megan helped out with the University Hunters in Wellington when I was down there. So, yeah, a loss for um, New Zealand rugby league and oh, the rugby league community in general. They had actually, the Warriors had organised a June the 7th um, function for everyone to get together uh, at Mount Smart for whoever were playing on June the 7th um, and raise some money. But unfortunately, uh, Big Q couldn't make it that far. Yeah, very sad. And unfortunately, the Raiders who were wearing black armands for both Bob Hawke and Quinton Pongia last night, couldn't get up over the um, Rabbitohs. I think that's the best game I've seen all season. The intensity in that game, the one-on-one battles. Sam Burgess, I heard him say earlier in the year that the difference between him now and him when he first came into the game is he used to do this thing where he'd pick out a player before the game 
and he would just make sure that he dominated that player physically. And you often saw Burgess just seek out this one player and then, you know, come out of the line, scream out of the line and um, really sort of attack a guy. And he said he doesn't do that anymore because it just takes too much fuel out of the tank. I don't know what he decided to do yesterday. He turned back the clock. He went after that. Was it Horsley? Horsberg. Corey Horsberg. Horsberg. God, he doesn't look... Me. That was a hell of a battle. Something he did... Corey didn't back down either. That is is our game in its best light, isn't it? It was unreal. Fuck, it was a good game. Um, It was just hammer and tongs. Game... I was watching that game last night and I was watching it without um, commentary, which was unfortunate because I heard Dan Janain had a call for the ages. But I was thinking, does a is that a, ga- a game like that, would you give to somebody uh, that wasn't necessarily a rugby league fan for them to start loving it? Or do you need to know a bit about rugby league to really appreciate a game like that? Nah, I, I mean, just the intensity and there's just so many hits. It was such a physical game, which, you know, I don't think you get that many of that type of game a season. And yeah. it didn't need points because there were lots of line breaks. There were lots of, like, fast plays. There was lots of physicality. And I'll tell you another guy, Papa Lili. Papa Lili. Oh, he, he is, is, he is something else. He's a good footballer, man. We probably ride him off a bit because he looks overweight, but he's got a good tank in there. No, he was special last night. That huge break up the middle was just... Did you um, see him fend off uh, Elliot Whitehead? Because um, basically Corey Allen ended up being just a speed bump, mm. and he slowed it right down. And Elliot White, who was right, running a line off his shoulder, mm. and basically Papa Ailey looked up and just fended Whitehead off, and Whitehead <laughs> went wide. I didn't notice that part. Um, I do think this though. A few things stuck out to me in the game. The Rabbitohs only lost one though, outright when, uh, leaders of the comp right now. I think they're the team to beat. Um, and I just think you just have to say, just on pure form, even over the Roosters. Um, yep. The Raiders. Yep. No, last night, I think it proved to me, and I think I said it on one of the forums, I said they are now legit with Roosters and Storm. I, I thought they were a little bit below, like not far, but now they're definitely competing with those two sides. The, yeah, they are. I think they're better than the Storm. And I think if the grand final happened... I would probably lean towards the Rabbitohs over the Roosters. And that's just due to a, a number of, I guess, bigger factors around just the, the, what it takes to repeat and the desire of a team when you get down to a grand final. But I want to talk about the Raiders. I've been pretty impressed with them so far this year. And I don't think they've actually beaten a top eight side. That was the Raiders side no. missing BJ Leilua, Jordan Rapana, John Bateman, and Joseph Tapane. You put those guys in that Raiders team, that's that's the fourth team after you just mentioned those first three for me. They are very, very impressive. I would not want to play them. Oh, the I'd still put Canberra and Sharks in the same the same in the same uh, compartment, I reckon. I mean, we know what the Sharks can do. I just not quite there with the Sharks for me. They need to string together quite a few games near the end of the season when they get healthy. There's no reason why they can't get there. I'm talking right here, right now. I don't feel they're at the same level. I don't feel like the same playing at the same intensity as the Canberra Raiders. Um, I tell you what, man. Another thing also jumped out at me 
fuck, they did well. And again, this is talking to the recruitment policy of the club. I don't know who's the general manager of football, whatever, how much has Ricky has to do. Letting go of just useless, overpaid cunts like Joseph Paulo and Shannon Boyd and the money that they were demanding as prop forwards and spending it on a guy like Dunamis Louie. Dunamis Louie was phenomenal last night. I would I tell you, what, with, with Welsh now uh, missing out on the Queensland team, you could do worse than picking Dunamis Louie for the Queensland team. And it just goes to show you, do not, apart from like, I'm talking not even a handful of props, maybe two or three that I'd spend rather decent money on. Props can be manufactured. They come on late in their careers. You know, you just got to look at guys like Louis, Ignatius Parsi, um, some of these, Alex Twal. Like, you don't, you just need to, like, get a body, a guy like a Jacob Lilliman, you know, who was a second rower, an average sort of club player, and bulk him up and just tell him to run fucking forward and tackle. Like, it's not a complicated position. And I think the days of um, spending big money on props like Matt Scott, like, He's just deteriorating. I know he looked all right going forward, but his defence this season's been horrendous. You, you just cannot yeah. spend money on prop forwards anymore. I, I take your point. And I actually, watching the Doggies-Titans game yesterday, I actually thought that, I, and I already knew this, but it sort of sunk in that Napa, Dylan Napa is a rep footballer, right? But he's nothing special. And I'd hate to think what the Dogs threw at him. Do you know what I mean? Like, Hmm. Yes, he brings some leadership and stuff, but I'm sure they've got like Danny Fualalo or someone here. How if you get their heads right or develop them, they're going to hmm. be as good as Napa. Yeah, Danny Fualalo is, is a great example of someone who you could just build into a prop forward. Um, you know, I think guys like Louis and Parsi is probably using. You know, they are a pretty extreme example. That they are pretty talented players that have taken a while to come on, and they've got to have some sort of something like footwork. Talented than Louis in terms, but but they're not on big money. Do not. You've got to spend money on the spine and back rowers. That's it. Like they are the guys. You fill out the rest of the positions in the modern day salary cap. Look, yeah, agree, agree with you. I mean, and the Raiders, while we're here, talk about like signings that they've had this year. This guy Ryan Griffin is very, very good. Ryan Sutton, you mean? Ryan Sutton. I keep calling him Ryan Griffin. Obviously, John Bateman. We've gone on about him. Yeah. I don't know where the fuck Horse... What's his name? Horse? Corey Horsberg is Queenslander. Yeah, but I don't know where he's come from. He looks very... Uh, I think he was Cowboys. Couldn't, couldn't crack Cowboys. Um, just looks like a mongrel cunt. And... Oh, doesn't... He looks like he's missing a chromosome or something. Shit, yeah. Looks like a... Just very willing, but not afraid to do some dirty stuff, too. I liked it. And he's got ginger hair. Look, he'd be doing dirtier stuff than that that we did last night. Um, what can you say about Chance Nickel Plotstad? How good is he going? He is going brilliantly. Um, a, a, a phenomenal signing that I don't even think anyone at the football department would have thought um, he'd be fullback. And I mean that. I mean, him being at fullbacks actually probably. And his performances at fullbacks probably actually meant Whiten, how Whiten has succeeded at 5'8". Because if they... I mean, they could have played Cottridge there, but if there were issues in terms of um, filling the fullback role out with a decent or not a, a decent player, then there would have been pressure to get Whiten back to fullback and Caesar back to 5'8". But Clockstead's came in and really done the job and has actually helps the whole 
um, balance of that team phenomenally. Now, he only played probably a handful of first grade games at the Warriors, right. and they're on the wing, and didn't. He was good. Look, he, he, did, he didn't disgrace himself, but I'll, I'll put my hand up and say I would never think he'd, he'd, he'd perform at this level in first grade. No, he's been excellent. He just he's very safe at the back, and he's again he just looks like he gives it one hundred and fifty. Um, now, guy, a guy, a good listener of the show, Tama Wells, actually requested a question. He goes, "Do the Kiwis have to pick chance nickel clock stand at fullback?" And I wanted to just lay into no, it. No, not at fullback. He said, "Pick him." I'll answer it now. Roger no, how does he fit <coughs> Yeah, we've got the world's best fullback at the pick. Yeah, <laughs> just as it's a straight no. Unless you manufacture, no, this is stupid. Unless you're manufacturing shit to the wing, no, you no. play shit at fullback, and we've got so many wingers to choose from. I agree. That one's a, that one's a quick quick move on from that. Um, I'll tell you what, they are naming the Blues team soon. Again, watching last night, and I was pretty adamant going into that game that <clears throat> I didn't think that Fittler would pick Cody Walker. I thought he'd go with Kerry, and finally I've just said, I've given up the ghost with Nathan Cleary. I don't think they'll pick him. I was thinking Adam Reynolds to go with um, on the back of a good four-pack. I think it'd be pretty solid. Great kicking game. Probably the best short-kicking game in the comp. Reynolds to go with Kerry. They won a comp together at South Sydney back in 2014. But how can you ignore Cody Walker any longer? I mean, maybe he's on the bench as a utility. He's the form player of the NRL. Forget about Luke Kerry. Cody Walker's the form player of the NRL. Can you leave him out of the Blues team? And where do you play him if you do put him in? Oh, to me, you, no, you can't let him. You can't leave him out. You got to. You got to. And if you, if, you got to put him playing five eight. You got to right. So Kerry's playing seven. Walker's playing six. Well, oh, to be honest, then I mean I'm not Fitler, and I never will be. But then you've got to think. Why not Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker? Because then you've got Damien Cook. You've got a really, like, you hardly even need, like... And you just play Kerry off the bench. Because Kerry's actually never played Origin. So it's not as unbelievable as what you... I actually really like that. In fact, I'm going to um, call that suggestion my own. I like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually think that's really good. Maybe Kerry's off the bench as a utility. Cody Walker starts with Reynolds. And as yeah, you say, I mean, Damien Cook. And then you've got Cam Murray, which has to be involved somewhere. But yeah, so so I don't know if this episode um, we name our team because I haven't really got mine prepared, but you surely got to pick Cam Murray, don't you? Absolute has to. And again, I think so, LC... But, but LC, so many good back rowers, New we'll, South We'll Wales. go through them because you've, you've no longer got Jack DeFallon. And Wade Graham's injured, so you've got a couple that you can remove. Um, I I do want to throw that. LC called it late last year when Crichton signed with the Rabbitohs, and we'd only seen a couple of games of Cam Murray. We thought that they'd kept the right back rower. South Sydney have done it brilliantly by... They have let Angus Crichton go, who is a very good footballer. Played for New South Wales last year. He's just not as good as Cameron Murray in in many departments. I don't realize how small Murray is. He's tiny, but jeez, he's willing and... He's, he's, a like great, um, he's, he's one of the game's best exponents at the one-on-one strip. Which oh, yeah. There was a lot of a, that last night, too. Oh, there's a lot of it in the game. It's actually more a technical, strategical well, they've changed uh, the rules, play they? these days, and I love it. They've changed the rules. 
No, they haven't. Yeah, they've amended the rules for oh, stripping. If someone falls off, you're now allowed to strip. Yeah. yeah. Um, New South Wales. <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna run you through this, okay? Now I love what you suggested. Fullback picks himself. Tedesco. The left winger is going to be Addo Carr. Mitchell at left centre. Now, and who was right wing? Mitchell uh, Addo Carr. No, Mitchell, but who's right wing? I'm fucking going through the fucking twit team, mate. All right, yeah, I'll get to right wing. Wing, wing don't you? I always go wing, centre, centre, wing. All right? Oh, right. Okay. Mitchell. Now, this this one, I want to pick Jared Croker. Like, I want to reward an ornament, right? I want to pick him at right centre. I can't do that. I can't overlook his defence I just can't see him defending. Now, this, I've got two things, to, two things to consider here. One, just fucking pick James Roberts. He was there last year, and he'll come out and probably play really well. Okay? But yep. I don't think Fettler's going to do that. So I've got a couple of names for you. Mitch Orbison. Do a job. No. Jack Whiten. No. This, okay, good. This is who I'm going to pick. Josh Morris. Won't let you down. I was going to pick Curtis Scott. Injured, 12 weeks. Oh, you're right. Shit. Okay, so then you're going Josh Morris. Jeez. I'm picking Jeez. Josh Morris. I don't, yeah. I don't mind it then. I mean, is there any other option? He's Jennings? A, he's, a, he's a fucking brilliant player, Josh Morris. And he's always done well in origin. Notoriously held Greg Inglis in check for a couple of series there. Very good defender. He's Dugan in there. He what? Josh Dugan. No, he's, his, his origin days are gone, mate. Now, the right winger. This is interesting. Okay. Oh, I've never really thought that they... I didn't realise they had so much... Um, they had... What's the opposite of dearth? They just don't have much talent at centre. Well, they do. I mean, there's still... There's just a lot of there. injuries, mate. There's, 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 there's Joseph B.J. Leilua's injured. There's Curtis Scott that's injured. Um, what about Walker Blake? Would he be eligible? Wonga Blake's playing pretty poorly, and I, yeah, I know. Yeah, I think I he's know. eligible. No, he's from Western Australia. Well, he's Fiji. And Fiji, he's Western Australia. Okay, the right wing. The right wing. Nick Cottridge. Who's Blake, the incumbent? Or Blake Ferguson. Who's the incumbent? Tom Tabovic. Oh yeah, Tom. Yeah, okay. So, jeez, oh, I, 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 I'd take Blake because we know what he can do in the rip on the rip football. I agree. As much as I like Cottridge, his time will come, and I go with Blake. Now the five eighth and halfback. <clears throat> I think we've just debated that. Yep, and we've just decided on the Souths combination. Yeah, the lock picks itself. It's Jake Trebojevic. <clears throat> You've got Robbie Farah. Uh, sorry, no, you've got Damien Cook as a hooker. Now, back rower. So Boyd, Boyd Cordner. And Tyson. And Tyson Frizzell. Yep. Okay. Probably those two. I mean, it's, 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 it's that. And now, now we've got to look at guys that can go on the bench like Crichton and Murray. Um, yep. Uh, Victor Radley, the golden boy, some people talk up, wouldn't there's they? There's talk of Victor Radley, there's talk of Tarek Sims, there's talk 
quite a lot of talk of Ryan Madison. What about Tavita Pungai Jr.? That that talks went down a bit. TPJ, yeah, I think you could you could I think you could have a look at him. Here's your here's your props, mate. Matt Lodge. Clem is going to be one, and Paul Vaughan's going to be one. Yep. Then you've got Jordan McLean um, and Rang- Regan Campbell-Gillard, who were sort of there or thereabouts last year. RCG's not going anywhere. I'd pick Payne Haas. Wow. I would not go near Matt Pryor. No Tamo? Fuck off. <laughs> um, on the bench, I would run with Luke Carey. Um, as I said, a Cameron Murray, a Payne Haas, and maybe a Crichton or another front rower. Poor Tyrone Peach, he's just not playing well enough. Why doesn't anyone talk about Dale Finacane as a state player? They're just blessed at that. Um, they're blessed in the back row, aren't they? Yeah. They really, so. really are. Um, TPJ is an interesting one. <clears throat> I think he'd be pretty good in the Origin Arena. Uh, that that team though, I think the Blues are pretty looking pretty good against the Maroons, aren't they? We'll do the Maroons next week though. Maroons. What are you, Maroon or Maroon? Maroon. Maroon. Like Darren Maroon, the South's great. Anthony Maroon, the Triple M commentator. Quote. Yeah. Oh, so what was Dan Janine's call like last night? Just he's just at the top of his game. I just want to hear him more. Like, is it just, um, I saw another guy, Stu Pierce, was saying he's like a 1970s guitarist. Was he just hitting the right notes he, at the right time? He, he is just, he goes the extra distance. He goes to those levels. He goes to the zones that Rabs used to go to, you know? And like he knows the, the 90s Rabs. He, he knows the game in terms of the, 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 the ebbs and flows, does he? Oh, he, he just knows where to take his voice. He's fucking outstanding. Have you never listened to Dan Ganane on Triple M? Call a game. No, I've heard him a couple of times. Whoops. You haven't, have you? No. Fuck. Special. It's 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 I mean now you look at Fox, they're, they're callers of was uh Dan Ganane and Vossi. They've got three wonderful callers. Just yep. the Maddie so- Russell zone, just probably a little bit less than Maddie Russell. Yep. And <clears throat> I think I'd be happy. So then Voss, Voss as a play-by-play caller actually polarises a few people. Oh, I'm surprised to hear that, but you're right. Voss is, Vossi is polarising. It's an interesting they, they one because, I mean, I, think he I have Channel 9, so I don't know what their commentators are like, but I do know... I mean, I do miss Miss Joey and Freddie, but who's okay. their... Brendan they don't Speed. have Ray Hadley as the play-by-play Brendan anymore, do they? Speed, who's the soccer commentator in Australia too. He's, he's a good... He's good. But he's not. Brendan Speed's Channel 9 now, is he? <coughs> yes. Wow. But he does um, football for Fox. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. He's good. He's the guy yeah, that okay. um, they, they gave some of his footage to Martin Tyler, you know, the famous EPL commentator. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, he just sort of gave it the once over and goes, yeah, no, he's doing a good job here and here. And um, they showed yeah. Brendan Speed, who's he's his idol. And he just started bawling, just started breaking down and crying. I oh, know, it's incredible. Way. So he must take his commentary really seriously. Well, it's his profession. You'd hope he did. So, is Gus still on Channel 9? I don't know if I've heard Gus lately. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be back at some stage. And, and what, do they just roll Ray Warren out the odd game, do they? Rabs is probably your primetime game. Maybe he does like today? Friday night and 
I think he's only one a week. Because that's Thursday, that Thursday, Friday. I do Sydney. That so that Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Channel Nine R. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's scared of flying. Remember, so yeah, he does one game a week. I think, Rabs. Yeah, he's he must be nearly eighty. You can't say. Um, how old do you have to be before you stop wearing a hoodie? Uh, isn't there different styles of hoodie? Well, uh, yeah, I guess so. But a, a hoodie is a... What is a hoodie? A hoodie is for colder climates, isn't it? And I, it's... I think it's... That was how it was... Maybe... That's how it started. And we and it's it's a great um, actual league watching... Um, uh Piece of clothing, especially if you're on the sideline in New Zealand and the sort of wind comes and you just whip that hoodie on. But people think wearing a hood, you're dangerous or something, or you're more likely to cause crime. Well, it's just you, you, you're, you're basically hiding a little bit more your face. It's, I mean, I'm sure it's, it is a little bit menacing look, but, <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of practicality in, you know, sheltering the neck. But generally it's a young man's item, isn't it? It is. I mean, you're obviously going at that, because then does a... Does an older man start bringing the scarf into play more? I think an older man runs a, a beanie. Scarves are very sort of hit and miss, aren't they? You've got a sports scarf, absolutely fine. The moment that that sports scarf goes into a little bit of fashion, you're kind Quite. of entering that kind of cravat slash pashmina kind of zone where you can basically fuck off. Yeah, agreed. Um, I saw a bloke... Yeah, so a 37... What's that? 37. Nah, nah, 42 for the hoodie. I think, dare I say, it depends what ethnicity you are. I think you can probably pull it off a little bit later if you've got darker skin. Just You just suit it, suit the style. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And white boys just sometimes just look completely out of place pulling off different clothing. Um, I saw an old man this morning. I was on my way to get a coffee. He turned the corner, indicated, I thought he was going to let me go, but he... I sort of started to walk and he didn't, so had to sort of backtrack as I was crossing the road. He was wearing a hoodie inside a car, and I reckon he was 65. And just did not like the look of him. There's nothing good about his attire at all. And I just I was thinking maybe he could, maybe it was like a rip curl hoodie and he was going down to the beach for a surf or something. He's an old surf dog, but it made me think. But what, like. I mean, old old fellas have to keep cool as well, so... What is the substitute? Like a, one of those dries bone jackets? I think just a nice skull cap. You know those beanies that are just, there's not much to them. They're pretty much just a skull cap. You know, like you used to see in, uh, you know, outdoor labourers wear a lot. And you, you used to have your fingerless gloves as well. Fuck, I wanted a pair of fingerless gloves when I was little. I just pounded mum for ages until she finally bought me them. I just, on, how do they keep... I actually don't really understand the thermodynamics of them. Like, what's the point? Well, fingerless gloves is so it's often you know when you're doing outdoor work and labouring, um, and, and you, like I worked at the freezing works, you need a fingerless gloves because you're always picking up and putting down you know boxes yeah. that are frozen. So you need but to I mean, have your fingertips that's touching and you know making sure that you hold on to stuff. Help. Huh? Does keeping your palms warm actually help? Does it? Well, yeah, it's sort of seventy percent well, of your, your hand extremities trust me I mean you need them and generally you know if you're moving your tips of your fingers and that sort of keeping the blood flow going um, 
I remember when I first played contact sport, obviously the tip of the South Island, a very cold place. Now, I think I've said this on the show before, you know, the odd person would wear waterproof trousers. I think a couple of people wore fingers gloves as well. Actually, well, fingers gloves were used in the old days. Um, and in fact, I think I've seen Super League players use fingerless gloves recently well, on like... They, they, they were quite famous in the early 2000s, but they weren't woolen. They were like synthetic material that, you know, almost like a wetsuit material that you could catch yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, where does the laws, again, we'd have to ask our favourite um, rule, our listener that knows the rules inside out, Mitchell uh, Mitchell, on the Central Coast, where does, um, where, the law, where do the laws end in terms of what you can wear on your hands in a rugby league game? Like, can you wear these... If, let's just say I made a basket and just put them onto my hands, so I wouldn't need to wear them. But if you put them on, say Sam Burgess's hands, he'd be a hell of a lot better player. Do you know what I mean? People could just throw them into the basket, and you know, is is where? What do the rules actually state? Don't know. That's simple as that. I, I don't know what that. Yeah, I mean, there's. I would like Mitchell Cripp. Maybe we'll tweet it out. Because the other thing was, I, I think I talked about. Uh, last year's show or something where if you designed a belt um, that people could wear and it had a little <clears throat> like, holder on the front and as soon as you caught the ball on the wing mm-hmm. you could just slot the ball into your belt on the front like just opens up and you, the, the steeding goes in there and then you can just run down the sideline <laughs> using two arms to bend get out of it we're, we're that, moving on yeah I'm just saying that may be illegal Fuck it over it is. It's like, it's like that stupid when you're playing from the Rugby League International Federation that states how that's illegal. Um, and it's also like common sense comes into things as well, mate. It's like putting the ball up your jumper. But it's just like the underarm, right? Like at the end of the day, yeah, it was 1981. It's 2019. We've sorted our shit out since then. It comes back to what we talked about last year. If you trained up a gorilla, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that was a few years ago. Um, so, right. Two games Sunday. What was last Sunday's games? How'd we go? Were we two for two? Were we one for two? I got Souths and Roosters. It was Souths oh, versus Cowboys. We... And Raiders versus Roosters. Again, the Raiders just being a bridesmaid against a, a top team. Yeah, I picked the Raiders. I sniffed an upset. No. I picked the Roosters. You picked, you picked the Cowboys. You thought the yeah, Cowboys. Yeah, I picked the Roosters and the Cowboys. Yeah. And, and some people, we actually had some feedback that people wanted us, a couple of people wanted us to do it, um, the podcast, after all the rounds games. But then people jumped in and said, nah, I love it. I love them making a fool of themselves before the Sunday yeah. games. Nah, it's, I'm with you on that too. It gives, it, it gives you just a little bit of humility and we can't pick our way. We, we started off all right. I'm going to go, we've got Dragons, Knights, and this is the Mudgy, is that right? Yep. Dragons for mine, come out against the Pretenders that the Knights, and Sharks, Eagles. Yeah. Knights, get up. I'm going to take the Dragons, though. Yeah, I'm going to take the yep. Dragons. Uh, am I? No, I'm going to take the Knights. Okay, good. I like when we are in vehement disagreement. Sharks, Sea Eagles, you'll be very surprised to know that Manly have a Phenomenal record against the Sharks. I think they've won like nine of the last 11. 
and they this do they do win down in Shark Park too. Despite that, I'm going for the Sharks. I just think that you can't turn up at a gunfight with Lachlan Croker and um, who's that bloke used by the Titans? Kane Helgi. You cannot Isn't win a football Dylan game Walker with those hmm? Isn't Dylan Walker playing? Dylan Walker's in the centres. They've finally got rid of the um, the artist formerly known as Ma- Moses Suli. Damn. Which is bad for the game, but anyway. So that one, it's, it's at Caldex Field, right? Uh, I mean, it's hard to go past the Sharks. Um, Chan Townsend's in great form. Um, the Brayleys are good out of the half, uh, the dummy and half. And for feeder too. They've got Fafida, who needs to push his case for Tongan selection. Um, it's his 200th game. Is Adam back this week, though? Who? Adam Fanua Blake. Uh, no. Oh, yeah, so Sharks by plenty. Actually, no, they're not sure. They're not sure if they're going to play or not. Um, and back to Friday, actually, before we before we kick on... The Panthers, you were saying, and I was, I was seeing the writing on the wall with a bounce back performance at Penrith Park. They were atrocious. They missed thirty five tackles in the first half. Thirty five tackles in the first half. They were running into each other, dropping the ball. My take on the situation is. It's nothing to do with the Eclairies, your coach, and all that stuff. It's just you can't spend the whole off-season spit-roasting and going around and filming everything and having multiple players in the team involved and then getting busted, people going down, people on camera. You can't come back from that. You can't expect to get two, foot, two competition points after going through that. And I believe there's a lot more that we don't know. That's just a crisis at that club that they're going to have to um, write the season off and it all comes down to the behaviour that they were doing in the off-season. And I just don't think it's any more uh, complicated than that. They'll, they'll have a period this year where they go, all right, but they're gone. But hold on a second. I think the Nathan Cleary, Ivan Cleary um, issue is not mutually exclusive to the spit-roasting in the off-season, right? You set the culture at a club and behaviour and the no dickhead policy and smarts when you're on the grog and with on, with uh, uh, females. I, I don't know. Like, did did the did bringing back a set coach, even subconsciously, tell the players in that organisation or the culture that you can not do your job and you'll be okay or you can be stupid? I don't know. I just I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. If you know what I mean. But but they're making the right calls. They're, they're saying, Wonga Blake, you're banned last week. Regan Campbell-Gillard, you are an international, but you're playing reserve grade. Josh Mansour, you're the same. Like They're, make, they're, they're making the commitment to you know being a strong football club. But it's too morally. late. It's too, it's, too, it's too late. I mean, they, they dropped a guy, a coach, sector coach Hook Griffin, mm. who was doing, I thought, very good things with that football club. I mean... It, mm. Even if somebody doesn't consciously think it, they're thinking, well, even if I do behave myself, what's this club? I just, I don't know. I just, I, you bring up the, it's the roasting issue, but I think it's, it is, de- it's deeper than that. And they're not playing for each other. They're just, it's just, and uh, actually a guy asked me during the, uh, during the week, uh, Clint from, uh, Clint who's a massive Newcastle fan, he goes, 
Jack, what's more, um, what's more powerful for a football team, confidence or desperation? And I thought about it, I was like, confidence, man, because although confidence can get you in a little bit of trouble from, you know, just taking, you know, maybe taking opposition too easy or something, desperation can go... The other way. Can, you can delve into some dark places because mm. you work too hard, try too hard, and nothing goes right. It's a, yeah. The thing is with the Panthers, right, <clears throat> this is not this is not calamitous. That, I mean, sure, they're probably gone from this season, but... I don't agree with the whole just run a broom through the club. They've got a pretty talented roster, and they'll get it together eventually. They're just going to have a shit year. You know, they're just going to have a really shit year, which happens sometimes. Yeah, um, I know, but it's hard as a fan to you know, put up. A year's a long time, right? It's just, it's if you lose eight games at the start, and like, when I've been through it before, it's just like, fuck, I've got six more months of this. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Tough. It's like, well, it is tough. Because especially, we don't, you know, I could die this summer. You know, I could get hit by a bus. I might, you know, imagine if, because some stupid guy roasted some chicken, filmed it, I I miss out on seeing my club win a premiership. Mm. It's fucking sickening. Yep, it's the moment that that happened, I was like nervous for this season. Um, let's go to the ladder and help me, Jack. If we've, if we've got anyone else we can put a line through, I'm going to start at 16th spot. And this is just to make the eight, okay? Four competition points, two and eight Panthers. Line through them, they're gone. Yes. Titans. I don't want to waste yes. any more of my breath on the Titans. Ash Taylor's a million dollars down the toilets. Garth Brennan has to go. And they are a fucking abomination. They blew another 16-point lead last night. Two and eight. They're gone. The dogs, a little bit frisky. Three and seven. Still gone. Agree? Yep. Yep. But doing some nice things. You know, as a Canterbury fan right now, you can be proud. They're in every one of these games, aren't they? Apart from that flogging in round one, they're in these games. For, yeah, yeah. I mean... I think foreigns really helped them, and having CHN back yesterday really helped. Um, Hopways didn't play a bit better, yeah. I mean, again, but this is what they had to go through last year, right? And then they started, they started playing really well at the end of the season, which isn't bad. As a fan, you can still get some excitement out of it, but it's just if that happens again um, this year and they start playing well at round sixteen and they get the, the fans' hopes up again, people are going to get a bit sick of it. Yeah, I just think they need to get some contracts off their book. They're doing the right things. Now it's interesting. Now I don't think, personally, I don't think you can put a line through any team above 14th. I think we've only got three gone from the comp. The Cowboys are four and six on eight points. The Broncos are four and six on eight points. The Warriors are four and six on eight points. And I think they're all around that. They could conceivably make that eighth spot. Then the Dragons with a game in hand are they four and five. They could be five and five later on today, so there's no way you can put a line to the Dragons. Nor the Knights, who equally could be five and five or four and six on eight points. So I think the bottom of the table, three teams, Bulldogs, Titans, Panthers are gone. And then there's just a shit fight for that eighth, seventh and eighth spots. At the moment, the Tigers and the Eels are there. And I don't think... It fucking pains me to say, like, the other day when I said that the Eels are a tip top eight team. I'm annoyed. I don't think they are there. 
and there's not much between where they are now and where they are last year. No. And their Tigers, gritty as fuck. They may well hold on to an eighth spot, but there's more talented teams down there. Dragons, Broncos, Cowboys, Warriors, more talented yep. than the Tigers, you would think. And then you have to say, we've said it all year, you've got your six. Your top six aren't going to move. Sharks, Sea Eagles, Raiders, Roosters, Storm, Rabbitohs. They ain't gonna get. They ain't gonna fall out any of those teams. They might just have a bit of change around between four yeah. and six. Four yeah. and six are gonna change around, aren't they? Raiders, Sea Eagles, yeah. Sharks, and then Rabbitohs, yeah. Storm, Roosters. The top three will change around. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a funny year. It's a layered comp, isn't it? It's it's you've got the A grade, which is the three we talked about: Storm, Rabbitohs, and uh, who's the other one? Roosters, mm-hmm. and then you've got the B grade, which is Raiders, Sharks, and Sea Eagles. Yes, Eagles. You've got to give them credit for even getting into the B grade with the roster they've got. Oh, but and wait till Cherry Evans and Tommy T come back. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and then you've got the C grade, which is Tigers, Eels. And Knights, Dragons, Warriors, Broncos, and, Cowboys. So there's four grades in the in the uh, conference year. And C, I think you can you can eventually split those Cs, aren't you? You're going to get to a C plus and C minus. Yeah, some come down to the Ds. All right, so I'm going Dragons into the Sharks. <laughs> you are going Knights into the Sharks. Yeah, just because I want the Knights to win, though. But I think they can do it at Mudgee. Yeah, well, we're actually, would you know, we're actually 13 minutes into the game. No, I want to get and watch minutes. it. Knights 6, Dragons 0. Tim Gladsby, Tim Gladsby, try, Pong of the conversion, and Dragons it's will play from behind. Right, Tim, gotta love your league. All right, brother. We'll see you soon. See you next week. Gotta love your league. Say about playing the game, you can't hear it today, I said now. Nah. <laughs>